0: Our call to worship is found in Psalms 95 in our Puyo Bible on page 553. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if we could only hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as He did at Meribah, as He did that day at Massa in the wilderness. Where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have known my ways. So I declared on an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Scripture readings are from Exodus chapter 17, verse 5 and 6, and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 to 4 we're going to read from New Living Translation. The Lord said to Moses, take your shepherd's staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile. Then call some of the leaders of Israel and walk on ahead of the people. I will meet you by the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and water will come pouring out. Then the people will be able to drink. Moses did just as he was told, and as the leaders look on, water got out.
0: 1 Corinthians 10, 1-4. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, what happened to our ancestor in the wilderness long ago. God guided all of them by sending a cloud that would move along ahead of them and he brought them all safely through the waters of the sea on dry ground. As followers of Moses, they were all baptized in the cloud and the sea and all of them ate the same miracles food and all of them drank the same miracles water for they all drank from the miraculous rock that traveled with them and that rock was
1: Christ.
2: Amen. Scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 to 57, and it's a pew Bible, page 1058. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed.
3: In a flash,
2: Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting?
3: The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law.
2: But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks, thanks be God. God. Our Gospel reading this morning is found in Matthew 27, verses 45 through 66 in your pew bible that is page number 920 may God add his blessing to our reading of his word from the sixth hour until the ninth hour darkness came over all the land I knew that was going to happen from the sixth hour until the ninth hour darkness came over all the land about the ninth hour Jesus cried out in a loud voice Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
3: When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him.
2: And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people.
3: When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons.
2: The burial of Jesus. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb
3: This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard.
4: It's good to be with you this Sabbath morning. I feel like I'm back home again. And it's such a joy. You know, one of the fun things about coming and being with you on a Sabbath morning is that um, I look forward to looking at everything and seeing what's changed here in Santa Clarita. And you know, over the time that I spent as a interim pastor with you to this time, this has changed a bunch and I praise the Lord for it. <clears throat> one thing I noticed this morning is that um, when I walked in the door, it didn't even happen when I got through the door, Everywhere I moved, somebody welcomed me and was so friendly. And that's a real joy. You have really come a long way in being a friendly church. Um, Oops. (laughs) The second thing I've noticed is for a pastor who's aging, somebody said, Let there be light. And I can see There's lots of good light up here, and I can see even to the very back. And My wife used to say to me, Honey, you're not looking at anyone in the back when you preach. And uh, it was true because I couldn't see that far. (laughs) So my eyesight has improved, and the lighting has improved tremendously. The other thing is your grounds and your church in, in total is so beautiful and looks so nice. It's so representative so representative of God's character, and and I just think it's just fantastic and beautiful. You guys are doing wonderful things for the Lord here, and I'm excited about that. I'd like to invite you just to to pray briefly with me this morning. Let's bow our heads. Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, this is a, a special weekend, and we just want to use it to praise you to the highest level possible. And so we thank you so very much for being here. We ask your Holy Spirit to guide that the words that are said, that the things that are communicated would be your words, your communication. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. For the young ones here, I'm going to give you a hint from the very beginning. I'm going to have, I have a little bit of an outline. It only has three things in it. And each one of them start with an R. A hint, it's not reading, writing, arithmetic. <laughs> but if you can sort out the three main things that I talk about, each one starting with the, word, the, the letter R, come tell me afterwards and, and I'll have fun to see if you came to the same conclusion I did. Um, I'd like to share with you, this is a special, special week, of course. All over the world, people are celebrating what Jesus Christ did for us what the Father did through us, His Son, over this weekend. And on Sabbath especially, we celebrate that time that Christ rested in, in the tomb. Uh, yesterday was all the, the painful memories of the torture and death of our Savior. Today, as we find Him historically resting in the tomb and And tomorrow morning, people will celebrate the fact that he was resurrected. I'd like to share with you something that seems completely different subject, but in reality, it finds a deep significance and parallel to what we celebrate this day. It goes way back to the book of Exodus, and it has to do with Moses. Moses says, has gathered the people together God took them out of the Pharaoh's uh, um, accommodations there and, uh, and headed them out to the uh, shoreline of the Red Sea and um, there they spent their first time of freedom only to learn that Pharaoh changed his mind he was coming after him. he comes up there God instructs Moses to take his staff, tap the waters, the sea parts, they make it across on dry land. Uh, God says, tap the waters again. Pharaoh's getting close, his men is gonna catch us, and the waters come down on top of them, they all float away. And all the people rejoice and sing at how wonderful God is. <laughs> when they get to the other side and they see everything that happened but it wasn't long perhaps less than a month perhaps only a few weeks till they found themselves traveling in a part of the country called the wilderness of sin or some translations call it Zin. either way it's significant because they get out there and they forget all about the miracle of of the Red Sea and they start saying oh woe is me we're all going to die here. We're going to thirst to death in this wilderness. There's no water. Why did you do to, this, to us and all that kind of stuff? Moses is petrified. He thinks they're going to stone him. He goes to God, takes Aaron, his brother with him, and says, God, you've got to do something. The people are so 30, thirsty, I think they're going to stone us. And God says, take that staff. <laughs> Same one you had at the river. Take him over to a a rock and I want you to smack that rock with that staff and I'll bring water out of it. And um, Moses does that and of course the water comes out and the people live. Probably 35, 38 years later, They've been wandering around the wilderness all this time. They find themselves back in that same valley. And God says, uh, hope you're having a good time. (laughs) The people say, you brought us back to the same place. They probably checked it out and there wasn't water coming out of that rock anymore. What have you done? We've traveled all these years. You've brought us here to die again. I wish we were back in egypt we weren't ever there but our parents were they tell us we ate good and all that kind of stuff and um why did you bring us out here to die moses in desperation goes back to god this time frustrated to the max god says i'll tell you let's do it a little different this time talk to the rock (laughs) just talk to the rock Moses gets so upset, he is so frustrated with all these people and all the problems, and they never let up, and they complain all the time, and he says, what do I got to do? Do I have to smack this rock? And he smacks it. Water comes out. People are saved again. God says, why'd you smack the rock? (laughs) you probably won't be coming with us all the way into Canaan, Moses. (laughs) You smack the rock. I struggled with that. God told him to smack it the first time. The second time, he tells him to, to, to talk to it. What's the big deal? Why hold him up? If you look at the book of Matthew, Chapter 21, verse 42, you find an interesting thing. God is portrayed as a rock, isn't he? In fact, Jesus is called the cornerstone. The stone that got kicked around, they wanted to throw it away, they couldn't figure out what it was, but it turned out to be the very stone that the whole building needed to be supported by. It was where they start, in the corner. And so, that is the beginning of a New Testament description by several different authors of Jesus is our rock. You know, when you read Scripture, it's never, it's never just what you see when you first look at it. And I'm wondering, why did God treat one differently than the other? And yet if you have, a, if you have a, a fruit, often if you open that fruit, you'll find that there's all sorts of stuff inside. It's a pomegranate that I'm often thinking of here. A pomegranate is most like Scripture because when you peel back the first rind and you get there, you see a bunch of beautiful candy red seeds in there that taste so good. And when you finish those off, you can pull off another one. There's a whole new set underneath. And the way, that's the way it goes all the way through. And if you're real good as a young person, you can get that pomegranate juice all over you and it will never come out of your clothes. (laughs) (laughs) And mom will be really upset. (laughs) But when you pull back that layer on the rock, you find out that wasn't just any rock. That was the symbol of the Savior to come that water coming out of the rock was life without it they would have died and then Paul goes on to say that the rock was a symbol of Jesus Christ our salvation way back at the beginning God's trying to retrain, reteach the people that he is going to send a Messiah, Jesus Christ, who will be the rock of salvation for them, the actual rock that gives the water, that keeps them going, that gives them life, and gives them a future, and takes them out of it all. For a people who never forgot the Egyptian experience, this was big time. Stone that is the only source of salvation, we're told in Acts chapter four, verses eleven, twelve. First Corinthians ten, one through four said, The rock was Christ. That means when we read a little verse like Matthew seven, twenty-five, that says the wise man built his house upon the what? The rock. <laughs> the rock. It's not just talking about a stone. It's not just talking about those foolish people down in Newport Beach. (laughs) Whose houses got worth an awful lot. It's talking about building your life on the rock of salvation, isn't it? The rock that never will let you down. And then when you see Matthew 16, verse 18, and it says... On this rock I will build my church. (laughs) An interesting thing is this is the very verse that the Catholic Church has used to to signify the power of the Pope through the first Pope, Peter. But an interesting thing is when you read the Hebrew language, which this was written in, there are no apostrophes or periods in Hebrew. One thing that always comes... Confounded me when I, when I studied it, as you read it from the opposite side. <laughs> and um, and so all apostrophes and periods were supplied by those who came later. I believe that Jesus was si- trying to teach Peter, you are Peter, but on this rock. <laughs> Who's the rock? Jesus, Jesus Christ, our salvation. I will build a kingdom that the gates of Hades can't even prevail against. Interesting, isn't it? So when you look at this situation, the rock, being symbolic of Jesus Christ, and Moses had gotten so upset and drawn all the attention to himself why do you do this to me? <laughs> the people miss the significance of the salvation of the rock, Jesus Christ, and what God was trying to teach them 38 years later than the first experience. Most of them new people. An interesting thing is that out of that experience, God was still good. He. Moses and Aaron had served faithfully for all those years. I had the experience last year of being a president of a homeowners association with 82 homes. I hope to never, ever do that again in my life.
0: <laughs>
4: that was foolish. When I... Look back on what I experienced last year, and I think of probably three million people stuck in the wilderness to govern and to guide and to teach. Aaron and Moses were lucky to get out of there. (laughs) There came a time when God said to Aaron, Aaron, I'd like to talk to you. Come up on the mountain and bring a few friends with you. I'll even tell you who to bring. Bring this person, this person, person. Come on up and talk to me. And Aaron said, sure, God, I'll do that. And he goes up there and he brings his friends and God talks to them and shares them all this kind of stuff. And he says, oh, by the way, Aaron, while you're up here, I'm going to lay you to rest. I'm going to give you some rest. Do you think the significance of that was special? God takes him up there, talks to him, tells him what a good job he's done and how faithful he's been. Aaron trusts him to the very end, not a squeak out of Aaron. And he lays down and he rests and rests. Several years later, God said to Moses, Moses, I would like to talk to you. How about selecting some friends and come up to the mountain and talk to me? Now, if I was Moses, i probably said, oh, Lord, I like low land. <laughs> Let me stay down here. I don't, I don't know about coming way up there. I get nosebleeds and altitude and stuff like that. But Moses didn't either. Moses goes up there. God spends time with him, talks about him. God had already given Moses all sorts of time to write books, and he had written all the books. Moses sits down and he writes a little, a little note to every tribe and talks about how God, God loves them specially for the attributes that they have. And then he says to God, uh, then he says to the people, he says to you, I want to advise you, um, stay with the Lord. He's the best. Your salvation's with a rock, (laughs) you know. Your salvation is great. Stay with the Lord. Don't transgress. And when he gets it all done, God says, I love you, Moses. I can't do without you. (laughs) And he gives Moses some rest. The interesting thing for Moses is we find out God really couldn't do with him because he didn't let him rest very long. Moses was translated, he was resurrected. He was there when Jesus died. He appeared to other individuals. He's the most significant human being to Jewish individuals, and he was there. God gave him some rest, but he also gave him a resurrection. Now, I don't think the resurrections that we see in the Bible were without depth. Just like the pomegranate, there's something to them. With Aaron, with Moses, with you and me, we will have a time of rest. But let me tell you, there's something even better coming soon. Because we will experience a resurrection too. And I believe Moses' death and resurrection and appearance was to give creed to the reality that Jesus Christ would come, live, die for us and be resurrected so that we would have that hope, too. So we would know it was going to happen. I work in the Office of Planned Giving and Trust Services. I'm often with individuals as they age and spend time with them. Sometimes we're the last friends. (laughs) I remember recently one individual I'd worked with for five years was a real sweetheart. And I really enjoyed her friendship. We kept trying to get her to go to the hospital and she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to be seen. She got so sick, she had to go. When I found out she was there, I went right over there to her. And When I saw her in the bed, I went by the nurse and I went over and I said, How are you doing? And she said, I'm okay. (laughs) And I said, well, I know you're weak. And I'd like to pray with you. But I'd I'd like you to know that um, we love you and care about you. Would you like me to pray? And so I prayed with her. She had a big smile on her face. I could tell that she really recognized me. And when I got done with the prayer, the nurse said, Did she talk to you? And I said, yes. Did she make any sense? And I said, yes. She hasn't talked to anyone or made any sense in the time she's been in here. I left her with a big smile and the next morning I went back and she was gone. She was resting. Most of us are so fearful of that rest We hold on to this life for everything we can hold on to. But in the darkness of that rest, it is but a moment until we see the brightness of the coming of Jesus Christ. We too will be resurrected. I didn't understand this to the fullness until a couple weeks ago. For the first time, I missed coming and preaching a sermon I was supposed to I got some kind of blood poisoning or food poisoning or some kind of horrible stuff. And I thought I was going to die. It's not the first time. I used to get migraines. And I used to call the kids together, get my wife over, hold her hand, and say, I love you, I just want you to know. And they would say in unison, Daddy, you're not going to die. <laughs> Well, they're all grown up now, they're, they're living in other parts of the country, so my poor wife has to reap the benefit of being the only one I can hold a hand and say, I love you. <laughs> and she has to say, honey, you're not going to die. <laughs> this time I didn't feel that I was going to die, but I got just thinking about something and God took me on a short little trip. It happened so quickly. I remember thinking to myself, but what if I did die? And the first thing I thought about is, I'm not ready. There's things I need to do. There's things I need to have forgiven. There's things I need to be made right and all that. But I didn't even get done saying that before God said to me, but that's why Jesus died for you. If you wait till you're ready, it'll never happen. I died so that I could take you now. Just trust in me. the next thing I felt was I was being taken up to those pearly gates, and I was looking inside, and Jesus locked eyes with me and gave me that smile, said, welcome home, welcome home. And I can remember walking in, strange experience, because I saw some people I'd seen before that I didn't get along too well with on this earth, and they were so nice. We were immediate friends. And it was wonderful as I looked around, and I only had that brief amount of time. When I came back in my thoughts to this earth, I thought, why would I want to be here? Why do I want to be here? I want to be there. I want to be there. You know, loved ones, we've given the reality that all God says is just, just trust me. That's, just, that's what was going on with those Israelites. Let me have your trust. If you trust me, I am the rock of salvation. I have a home for you, and you can come home, and we will be happy forever. Forever and ever and ever. I told told my wife. She said, um, "Why are you crying?" I don't do this all the time, folks. <laughs> I said, why, "Why are you crying?" I said, "I'm not crying because I'm sick, and, I, and I'm not crying because I'm feeling bad. I'm crying with joy." I'm not afraid of death. It's not because I want to leave. I'm I'm sticking around. (laughs) I'll be here. But I have nothing to fear because I have Jesus Christ, the rock of my salvation. Everything's ahead. Nothing's behind. All the good we could ever experience is ahead of us, folks. We have this hope not as others we have a hope in Jesus Christ the rock of our salvation let's pray our dear Lord and heavenly Father on this day especially we see the great gift you have given us in your son Jesus Christ our minds cannot grasp completely the difficulty and pain of the situation that he went through. But we know that it was all done because you love us so much. And you're anxious to have us back home. Dear Lord, teach us to trust. Keep that belief burning bright within our hearts. Allow us to see enough of heaven that we don't feel like we need to hold on to this with all our might. But we have the peace of Aaron and Moses as we rest, knowing that the resurrection is quicker than we can imagine. We thank you for this. In Jesus' holy and wonderful name, Amen. This is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Anyone who has a Son has life. And anyone who does not have the Son does not have life. I have written all this to you so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God may be sure that you have eternal life. Amen.